Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 welcome to the pat williams power hour am 990 and fm 101.5 the word this is your hour when orlando magic senior vice president pat williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you and now here's your host pat williams Welcome again, folks, to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. You're always welcome. Uh, We love to have you when you tune in with us here on the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word in Orlando. Uh, Gabe does our engineering. That's all he needs. He's that good. Just one name, Gabe. And uh, Andrew Hertliska produces the show each weekend for us. Matt Webster joins us uh, from his home in Michigan he, he pastors a church in a town north of Detroit. His book is out, Heaven Come Down, Living as Citizens of Heaven Today. Matt, welcome to Orlando. I'm so happy uh, that you got time for us. Yes, well, thank you for having me on your show. I'm just glad to be here with everyone in Orlando. Uh, tell me about your book. So my book... Um, Starting just with the first chapter is, is a very interesting title. It's called The Valley. And when you think of heaven, you don't normally think of the starting point being the valley. Uh, for me, I went through some immense challenges in my life. I had some, some health struggles that came up, and uh, my sister went to be uh, in her heavenly home at age 30. So I was really struggling. And uh, so I had some some family that got me a book uh, about heaven, and it was just fantastic because I was able to imagine what it would be like, what my sister would be experiencing in heaven. And so in in one regard, it was uh, gave me such comfort to just know about, you know, what she's experiencing, where she's at, and all those good things. But on the other hand, um, there was this contrast. I'm, I'm reading about heaven, and how wonderful it is in people's experience with near-death experiences, et cetera, et cetera. And yet here I am on Earth just struggling. So um, I, I knew that that wasn't God's intention. When we think about heaven, it shouldn't cause us to, you know, be down and, uh, you know, just get depressed in our daily life. So I prayed for God's wisdom, and a question came to my mind. And it was, what if I could experience things of heaven on earth today. And this book really is an invitation for others to join me in experiencing heaven on earth right now, even in their most difficult days. Let's move uh, really to the meat of your book. Uh, You covered the valley for us. Chapter two says, welcome to paradise. Yes. You died. Yes. Well, you know, one of the things that's so interesting, you know, Different world religions out there preach dying to yourself. You have to die to yourself. You have to give up this or that to achieve some level. But the gospel 
declares, you died, you were crucified with Christ. And so that's our starting point. And because of that, our lives are hidden in Christ, and the kingdom is now ours. And so there's a lot of believers that um, don't understand that what happened to them, that they, they were crucified, their old life uh, no longer lived, they have this new life in Christ, and, uh, and so when we start with that starting point, we start to see, wow, the kingdom is mine now. And so it, it really is a good leading point into the rest of the book, which really talks about, you know, how do we access those blessings that are ours in Christ? Um, how do we bring the king's reign down on earth and uh, express it through our lives? And, and some of the other things uh, that, I, that I mentioned in going through, progressing through the book. Uh, let's move to the next topic. Uh, you call it with Jesus in paradise. Tell yeah. us, tell us more. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting when Jesus is on the cross and he's got the two criminals next to him, you almost expect him to say to the one criminal, I'll see you in heaven. <laughs> but he didn't use that word. He used the word paradise instead. And paradise is an interesting word because it's only found in the Bible three different places. Uh, Paul will write about it, uh, and then also later in the book of Revelation. And uh, when it describes it in the book of Revelation, it actually says that the tree of life is found in in paradise. And paradise in the Greek is the Eden Park. And so we're, our minds instantly go to, you know, the Garden of Eden, and uh, and we think about, about the tree of life that was there. And um, and so it really is amazing because we start to think about what we had before sin entered the world and then what God will bring about uh, with the new heaven and earth. And so the book touches a little bit on, on what heaven is and what it will be like, uh, but it's more about the book is written more for those who are living on earth and what that means for us. So I do get into some of that, and, uh, and that will be the next chapter um, talking about where we go um, when we die. Let's talk about rapture to attend the marriage feast. Yeah, yeah. So if we're, if we're still alive on earth, the rapture, and we're raptured, um, a lot of people don't understand, well, where do we go? What happens uh, to us? And so Revelation 19 paints this beautiful picture of the wedding feast of the Lamb. We're actually going to our, our, our wedding as the bride of Christ, the church. And so uh, during that time is, is when the, the tribulation will happen. And so a lot of people read uh, about the book of Revelation, and they get really scared because they hear about all these judgments that happen and take place. But the bride is actually with Christ, and it talks about in Revelation 19 that when Christ comes back, we're riding right there with him. And so a lot of people confuse the rapture and the second coming. So a lot of believers will say things like, you know, I'm just waiting for the second coming of Christ. And and so I wanted to paint the picture that, no, you're actually waiting for the rapture because you're going to be going to the wedding, and it is going to be incredible. And then I talk a little bit about how the Jewish wedding works and uh, why Jesus would say something like, I go to prepare a place for you, and why did he say that? And, and it really makes sense within how a, the custom of a Jewish wedding would work. So... Um, I thought it was so important to let people know if they're going to be raptured, well, where are they going? Why are they being raptured? And what's going to take place? And what can we expect? Uh, Now, uh, let me explain uh, what we're doing here. Matt Webster is our guest. 
<clears throat> he's a pastor in Michigan. Uh, he's written a book, Heaven Come Down, Living as Citizens of Heaven Today. Uh, Matt, we've arrived at uh, topic five. Uh, you simply yes. call this Heaven on Earth. Heaven on Earth, yes. Heaven on Earth. Um, you know, another thing that I found is that uh, many believers, when they're thinking about heaven, they think of it almost as like some cosmic place, something so foreign to anything that we could ever imagine. And they miss the beautiful truth of Revelation 21 that God is actually bringing heaven down to earth, that God's dwelling place will be with his people. And so in that chapter, I really highlight uh, Revelation 21, what that's going to look like, um, how God is creating a new heaven and a new earth, that his glory will be the light. We won't even need the light of the sun. Uh, it mentions there's no sea. And, and also some of the other things that's really important, it talks about God removing our sadness, no more sickness, no more pain, no more death. You know, we experience those things on earth right now. But God is with us, and, and God offers us his peace, his comfort, um, strength. Uh, we still battle the effects of living in a fallen world, uh, but there's a lot of things that, that are available to us right now in Jesus Christ. And so um, I, I touch a little bit on that in the chapter and also really open our minds to think of heaven as not some, like, place that it is somewhere out there in the in the cosmos, but it's actually coming to the new heaven and earth, and it makes sense because we were created out of the dust of the earth. This is this is our home, even though it's it's in a fallen state. He's going to make all things new. Evil will be defeated, and uh, so we won't have the effects of sin any longer. Matt <clears throat> Matt Webster is our guest. Uh, he's a pastor at Acts four thirty three Church. Uh, before the break, what is that? Uh, what's the name of that church mean? Acts four thirty three. Uh, it's actually our foundation uh, was based on the, the verse in Acts chapter four, verse thirty three, and the crux of it is God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all, and that's really what we're all about here at Acts four thirty three Church. Uh, really tapping into the spiritual gifting of God's people and uh, just seeing how God's grace is at work in our lives as we proclaim the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. My guest is Matt Webster. We're talking about his book, Heaven Come Down. This is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. You're listening to the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word, in Orlando. We will be right back. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. We're having a wonderful discussion with Matt Webster about his book, Heaven Come Down. And Matt, we have arrived at uh, topic six. Yeah. What does it mean for us today to be citizens of heaven? Yeah, and really that comes from the phrase that Paul writes, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. And so I pose a question, and I, I really ask, when Paul writes, our citizenship is in heaven, what does that mean? Uh, because, you know, I think when people hear that, they relate to that as a future hope verse. 
but the amazing truth that our heavenly citizenship is defined by who we are in Christ. And so everything in heaven belongs to us. It's our inheritance. And so um, the, uh, the issue that I was having really was um, I, had, I had read about heaven, but I didn't seem to have an excitement in my daily life. And so, um, you know, in the next uh, uh, coming chapters, I, I talk a little bit more about how I actually was able to um, see things differently in God's Word and how that really changed things for me. And it really started here in Philippians 3, understanding that this isn't a, a verse that's about future hope. This is talking about what I have now. I'm a citizen of the kingdom now, and so the power and authority of the king is given to me as Christ's ambassador, and so I go out on this beautiful mission to share the gospel and use the gifting God's given me and, and be led by the Holy Spirit and see these incredible things begin to unfold. Let's move to the next topic. <clears throat> on earth as it is in heaven. What, yes. what, what does that mean? So, you know, with this book, I think a lot of people might gravitate towards the Lord's Prayer, where it, he, Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, one of the things, as I go through the Lord's Prayer, and it is, it's actually an old covenant prayer. The, there's six different petitions. The first three, uh, really, they focus on, on, uh, on who God is, His greatness, and um, it calls attention to God's name, God's kingdom, and God's will. And these things don't change at all, even when we move from Old Covenant to New Covenant living. Uh, but the second part of the Lord's Prayer is about our needs, and our needs changed with the cross. But that first part in there is, is really key, talking about the kingdom, the word kingdom, your kingdom come. And when you look that up in the Greek, it's actually talking about the king's reign. The, uh, the petition is that God may reign everywhere, that his heavenly laws might take root here on earth, and that the gospel of Christ might be advanced everywhere until the world is filled with God's glory. So really what we're doing when we begin the prayer is we're recognizing God as our Father, who loves to give us good things, uh, and that those things that we're praying for, that they, those things might express His reign and fill the earth with His glory. And, and so I, I, I give some examples, like I talk about healing. Uh, healing is one way in which uh, it can be a testimony that leads to other people's salvation. And healing itself is an expression of the King's reign, and his power, and his authority. I want you to discuss uh, topic eight, Matt. Every spiritual blessing is yours, you write. Yes, yes, every spiritual. That's the crux of Ephesians chapter one. It, it starts in verse three to mention every spiritual blessing being ours in Christ. And then Paul will actually use uh, the rest of the chapter to list 15 spiritual blessings that are ours. And when we focus our, our attention on those things, uh, it makes all the difference in the world. It's really bringing heaven down to earth. 
he talks about things like the riches of his grace abound to you. So what is it that you need in your life? For me, I had some some physical challenges going on, so I needed healing. So I'm going to come boldly before his throne of grace uh, for what it is that I need, because I have this promise that's here. Um, he talks about the forgiveness of sins and that we're holy and blameless, and uh, that's what we are in Christ. And that, that's one of the things that I think we all wrestle with at times is we know what we've done, and we tend to think of ourselves um, in, in accordance to those things that we have done instead of recognizing who we are in Christ, that he's removed our sins as far as the East is from the West. We stand in his love, holy and blameless. And uh, he's left an, an internal inheritance for us. And he also, Paul will say, the exceeding greatness of its power towards you who believe. And so the same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to us. And that just, if you think about that, you get so excited uh, for your time here on earth and what God is calling you forward into. Um, Matt, explain to us your ninth topic. Set your hearts and your minds on things above. So this is really what changed everything for me. And, uh, ushered me into walking into Christ's victory. Colossians 3.2 says to set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. And so that's what I thought I was doing. You know, I'm thinking about heaven. I'm thinking about things of the kingdom. But that phrase is actually attached to what comes right before it, since you have been raised with Christ. And the word raised uh, teaches us that we have this new, blessed life that is dedicated to God, and it is a life of purpose. And so when I understood that, that each day has been set up for you with God-given purpose to it, what an exciting life we will live when we'll set our minds on that truth. And when Colossians 3 became my daily mindset, the king's reign of righteousness, joy, and peace is, was mine and is mine here on earth as it is in heaven. I want you to explain uh, topic number 10, longing to go home. Tell us Longing more. to go home, yeah. So th- this is the conclusion of the book, and really I-, I wanted to just come back around and say, inside of every believer is still this desire and this longing for heaven, and it's a good thing. And I, and I tell the story of my daughter uh, going on a cruise with her, and and she was having just the greatest time ever. And, and I asked her, I said, or she made this statement. She said, Daddy, I want to go home. And it really caught me off guard because I, I thought, well, aren't you having a good time? And she said, I'm having the best time ever. And then I was confused. I said, well, then why would you want to go home? <laughs> the longer that we're away from home, even when we're having the greatest time, it just builds within us this desire to want to be home. And I also realized that there was such joy in what she was involved with on this vacation, all those things that I planned out in advance for her to do. And it just gave me delight and joy to see her, um, you know, taking these things planned for her. And then I thought about God and all the things that he's created in advance for us to do, these good works, and uh, how it gives him such joy and delight. And so... Our time on earth is 
important, it's precious, and it's God-ordained. He has set forth these special things for us to enjoy and to experience while we're here on earth. So let's do that. But let's also look forward to the promise of what we have, uh, our home in heaven. My guest, uh, Matt Webster, what a book, Heaven Come Down. So, Matt, explain to us, when our life ends here on earth, whether through an accident or a heart attack uh, yeah. or however it ends, what what happens immediately? Can you picture exactly what happens to a, a Christian when they pass away? Uh, yeah, what's, that, what's the next step? <laughs> that's a wonderful question. Um, really, we know for a fact that we'll be with Jesus. Uh, that's what he says to the criminal on the cross. He'll be with me in paradise. Um, there are some things that we're not 100% sure on. So we, we go to the book of Revelation, chapter 21, and we're given this picture, and I believe this is where all believers are experiencing right now. They're not experiencing any effects of sin. There's no in paradise. There's no sadness. They're not worried about things that are taking place on earth right now. Um, and I believe other things are true. Obviously, God is with them. I believe there's no night where they're at because they're really surrounded by the glory of God. But yet we know that there's some things that have not yet happened. For instance, heaven has not yet come to earth. The earth we live in still exists. The new heaven and earth has not yet uh, formed. And so one of the beautiful things is this is an event that all believers over all time will experience together. And there's something so special about that about being able to enter uh, the new heaven and earth together with Paul, with uh, Peter and Moses and Elijah and everybody, you know, together, the loved ones that we lost that, were, that, that are in Christ, too. Uh, can you explain to us <clears throat> what it'll be like to meet Jesus? Oh, boy. Um, what will it be like to meet Jesus? It will be... You know, the, it'll be surrounded by uh, agape love, unconditional love, just so much joy in recognizing I'm here, I'm in heaven because of you, because of what you've done for me on the cross, that while I was a sinner, you died for me. And I, I, I just, uh, it'll just be such joy such overflowing love and peace and just, um, I, I really believe being known like, like we've never been known before. Uh, just, he, he knows everything about us and he just loves us. And, and I really believe that's just going to wash over our entire being. Will we have a chance to meet all of the heroes over time, will we meet Adam and Eve, and will we meet Abraham? Will we meet Daniel and David? Will we meet yeah. Ruth and Esther? What do you think? Definitely, yeah. They're all. Everyone's going to be there. The Old Testament saint talks about uh, John the Baptist, who died just before the cross. Refers to him, refers to himself as a friend of the bridegroom, and so we know that he's going to be there during the wedding feast, and all of the Old Testament saints too. They were looking to the cross. We're looking from the other side of the cross, but the hope was always at, at the cross in the Messiah, Jesus Christ. We'll all be there. 
Um, I actually believe that when we get to heaven, that there will be a special welcoming party to greet us as well. Um, and I don't know if this is 100%, uh, you know, this is, I'm speculating at this point, but I, I do believe that um, some people that we are very close with will be there. I, I believe some people that we made huge differences in their life that we, don't, we weren't even aware of will be there. And I think maybe there might even be an Old Testament saint or two, uh, who, or maybe um, one of the disciples uh, that would be there as well. So um, we have all eternity to, to meet our brothers and sisters in Christ, and, uh, and I'm sure we will. Do you think we'll be saddened by the people that we don't see there? Um, you know, it, the thing is, it, it does talk about there being no sadness in heaven, and it's very clear about that. Um, and so I, I kind of, you know, equate it. I try to do the best I can as far as thinking about from our own uh, experiences here on Earth. When you're in the middle of something that is the greatest thing or one of the greatest moments in your life that you've ever uh, experienced, are you concerned about somebody else or something else? Are you thinking about that? And at least for me, the answer is no. I, I'm just, I, I'm in total uh, peace and I'm happy and there's joy and, uh, and that's what heaven is. There's no sadness. So, you know, I don't know what that will look like if, if, if we won't remember those that we knew that, that didn't, didn't make it into the kingdom. Um, but I do know for a fact that God's Word is clear that we, we won't be sad uh, if that is the case. Well, my guest has been Matt Webster. What a, what a visit. Heaven come down, living as citizens of heaven today. We've got more, uh, but first this break here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word, in Orlando. Stay with us. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. Matt Webster was our guest in that first segment uh, from his church in uh, Michigan, uh, talking about his new book, Heaven Come Down, Living as Citizens of Heaven Today. Mark Atterbury, you know that name, a longtime pastor in the Orlando area, uh, recently retired uh, author of prominence and a good friend. He's with us. Mark, how are you? I'm doing great, Pat. Mark, we um, uh, together uh, combined to write a book. It's just out. It's called Every Day is Game Day, a 365-day sports devotional. Uh, explain to us, Mark, your, your memory of how this thing came about. It's a pretty unique book, I think. Yes, this book has a long history. Um, back in about, I think about 2008 or 2009, 
you and I were sitting around brainstorming one day and decided to write a 365-day sports devotional. And we were going to kind of team up as the old pro um, sports person that you are and the weekend warrior amateur that I was. And we thought that might be a a good combination uh, to, to write this book. So we started. And we came up with 25 devotions, and we thought they were pretty good. So we sent them to my agent, and he got us a book deal. And we were all excited and ready to just dive in and finish the book. And through circumstances that we had no control over, the book deal got sidetracked and never happened. And we were disappointed. You stuck the 25 devotions in a desk drawer in your office, and there it sat for the next 10 years or so. (laughs) And um, you called me a couple of years ago. I think it was was 2019 or maybe 2020. You called me up and said, hey, Mark, I'm cleaning out my desk. You had just retired. And you said, I just found an old manuscript that we worked on about 10 years ago. And... You said, uh, do you remember that we were going to do a sports devotional book? And I said, of course I remember. I was really disappointed when it all fell through. And he said, well, I'm sitting here holding the first 25 devotions. Do you think we ought to give it another try? And that was music to my ears. I, I loved that project, and I was so disappointed when it fell through. And so, yeah, you and I decided to dig in again, and this time it worked. Uh, and so we now have the book. It took, what, 11 years to, to get this thing done, and uh, because it is a monster. It's a, uh, if anybody knows anything about books, it's 140,000 words, and that's a huge book. And, uh, but I think it's one of the one of my favorite books that I've done, and um, I'm really proud of it. But it did have a long life uh, before it saw the light of day. Mark, why do you think it's important uh, to pe- for people to have a devotional book that they uh, they work through every day? What, what are your thoughts on that? You know, I'm of course I was a pastor for 46, 47 years, and. Um, you know, one of the challenges that a pastor has is to try to help people grow in the faith. And, of course, there's a lot of ways to do that. There are a lot of things you can do. But I, I really believe that having a daily connection with God, just some time to spend with God, is really important. And let me just say this for anybody who might be listening who has tried to do daily devotions and they, they maybe get off to a good start, and they go for a week or two, and then they miss a day, and then all of a sudden one day turns into three days or four days, and and then all of a sudden they've missed a week or two weeks, and, and they feel guilty. I don't think daily devotions should be a source of guilt for us if we miss, because our lives are busy, and some people you know have families and jobs, and some people have families and two jobs. And I think there are going to be days when it just doesn't work out to have a daily devotional time. But but I think in general, we should be finding times, whether it's every day or every other day or whatever works, I think we should have time to spend with God. I, 
I just think there are so many distractions in our lives that pull us away from God. There are so many things that we have to think about, whether it's paying the bills or something going on at work or the marriage or whatever. You just need to make time for God. And I think when 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 we do that, we're we're generally speaking, we're we're better Christians and better people and our attitudes are better and our relationships are better. And when we don't do it, I think we tend to slip a little more in our faith and our commitment. So I'm a big believer in spending time with God, and a devotional book is a perfect way to make that happen because it's all prepared for you. It's all written out. You just sit down and read it, reflect on the questions, have a little prayer time, and you're good to go. And you might be able to do it in five minutes, might be able to do it in 10 or 15 minutes. doesn't really matter. The main thing is you do carve out some time for God. Mark, uh, explain to us how the Christian faith and the Christian life connects and intertwines itself with the world of sports. Do the two go together? They certainly do. In fact, um, the Bible's full of sports metaphors. Uh, People will remember the verses about running with endurance, the race that is set before me, and so on. And victory to the victory goes the crown of righteousness and all that kind of thing. I I just believe the Bible writers were sports fans, and they knew that people could relate to that. And the competition, the difficulty, the challenge, uh, the dedication that's involved. And so when we started writing this book, you know, you and I sat, I don't even know how many hours uh, over lunches talking about sports and God, and, and there were just so many connections. And I, I remember hearing you tell stories, and I was taking notes as fast as I could, and, and it was just all kinds of connections. But but I think one of the things that, that helps people you know, when you think about sports as related to faith is that while not everybody loves sports, most people can at least understand and relate to it. It's one of those things, you know, when Jesus told parables, you know, he related to simple, ordinary things that people understood, whether it was planting a seed in the ground or whatever. And that's the way sports is in our culture. Sports is huge in our culture. Even people who don't call themselves sports fans, they do get sports. They know what competition is. They know what it means to practice and be coached and so on and so forth. And so I think it's just a touch point for people to relate spiritual truth in a way that they can understand. And that's what our book does, really. It takes 365 sports anecdotes and relates them to the Christian life with Scripture and application. And so, yes, I think it's one of the great ways that um, a teacher or a preacher or whoever can relate truth to people in a way that they can understand. Mark, how does a pastor know when it's time to retire? <laughs> well, um, I think some probably should retire and don't realize it's time and, <laughs> and, and maybe outlive their, their welcome. I don't know. But I do believe um, that when a pastor, at least in my case, I began to not have the energy I had at one time for the work. Being a pastor is difficult work. It's long hours. You wear many hats. There's lots of stress involved. In fact, on that subject, uh, I did see a survey one time 
that listed the most stressful jobs a person could have. And um, actually, being a pastor was in the top three. And so there's a lot of stress involved. And um, when you get to where you don't have the energy and the patience for that, um, it's probably time for you at least to start thinking about it. The good news is that when you're a pastor and you retire or you step away from being a pastor, there are still lots of ways you can serve God. And, uh, and that's what I have done. Is I retired from being a pastor. Basically, what I did is I put myself into a position where I didn't have to preach every Sunday or go to meetings or do counseling sessions or whatever, but I still serve God. And that's really the main thing. Mark Atterbury is our guest. Uh, we authored a book, Every Day is Game Day. You'll like it. More with Mark right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word. Now, here's Pat. Mark Atterbury is with us. Mark and I have teamed up uh, to write a book called Every Day is Game Day. It's a 365-day sports devotional. I think you'll really enjoy it. Uh, The best way to order books these days, folks, well, I love Barnes & Noble, I'll tell you that. But go up to Amazon and uh, and get this book. Advantage Media Group is the publisher. Uh, Every day is game day. I think you'll be enriched by it. By the way, Mark, uh, how, how did you become a writer? Well, it's a long story, and and it's um, one of the more meaningful stories in my life. I'm 66 years old, and as I look back, my writing journey is is a story that. Um, means a lot to me. I started uh, reading everything I could get my hands on when I was in my 20s. I just started reading. And by the time I hit my early 30s, I thought, I would like to try to write. I've always had that little personality trait where when I find something I really enjoy um, as a spectator, I want to try to do it myself. I was that way with music. uh, and, and I became that way with writing. I was reading everything and enjoying it so much, and I thought, well, I want to try to write. And so I started. I started writing things. I started writing articles, and I started writing just anything I could think of that I might be able to get punished, uh, published. But unfortunately, I, I kept getting rejections. And so a little-known fact about my writing career is that I tried to get published for 18 years. Really? And got nothing but rejection slips. I got enough rejection slips to wallpaper my bathroom. I mean, I got a million of them. Everything I wrote and sent off came back with a, sorry, uh, it's not right for us at this time. And so I actually gave up ever being a writer. I just thought it was never going to happen. 18 years worth of rejections will do that to you. And then one day I met Karen Kingsbury, who is today one of the most famous Christian novelists in the world. And it wasn't even through a writing event. It was just uh, we happened to connect, and we got to know each other. And uh, through some emails one day, she said to me, Mark, have you ever thought about being a writer? 
And I had never told her about my 18 years of frustration. And I said, well, yeah, I've thought about it. And she said, well, you should try to write. You write beautiful emails and you string words together really well. And so she was the one that opened the door for me to meet an agent. And that agent um, looked at some of my writing and thought that I had some potential and he opened the door for me to get published, and that was about 17 or 18 books ago. Okay. So for 18 years, it's really a, a story of perseverance, um, of trying and trying and trying and trying and trying and failing and failing and failing and failing, and then all of a sudden the door swings open. And um, so I would say to anybody who has a writing dream or any kind of dream, really, give it your best shot and don't give up. You know, just keep trying, and one of these days, um, the door might swing open for you. You just never know when it's going to happen. Mark Atterbury is our guest, longtime pastor in this area, big sports fan, wonderful writer. Uh, we teamed up to write this book, Every Day is Game Day. Mark, where did your interest in sports trigger? How did that start? I played Little League Baseball. My dad was a coach. And um, we'd go out in the backyard and play catch and then put our little uniforms on and go down to the, to the community ballpark and play ball. And, and um, every year our coaches, my dad was one of them, every year our coaches would load the whole team up in about three or four cars and we would drive two and a half hours to St. Louis and we would go see the Cardinals. And it was an old sportsman's park on Grand Avenue in St. Louis. And this was back when Stan the Man still played. Mm-hmm. And I can still remember going to sportsman's, sportsman's Park and seeing that left-handed stance that was so uniquely Stan usual and see him rip a pitch or lace that ball. We saw Willie Mays. We saw Willie McCovey. We saw all the greats of those. 60s teams all in the National League. And I remember the first day I walked into a big league ballpark. You walk up the tunnel, you know, and you look out and you see all that green grass in the infield and you hear the crack of the bat and batting practice. And from that moment forward, I was addicted. And I was probably seven, eight years old. And from that moment forward, I was a baseball fanatic and collected baseball cards and played Little League and Pony League and all that. And then, of course, branched out into other sports, too. But my dad, really, is the guy who got me hooked on sports. That's a great story. Mark Atterbury. Mark, um, do you have uh, the book, uh, our new book, in front of you? Yes, I do. Uh, this show uh, turned to February 12th. Turned to Feb the Feb 12th uh, one because this show is airing uh, on Feb 12th right now. Sure. And 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 read uh, the February 12th um, uh, one. Uh, just just share it with us uh, right there from your book from our book. Okay. Go ahead. Rulon Gardner. Rulon Gardner did something most people wasn't sure was possible. A Greco-Roman wrestler, he defeated Russia's Alexander Karolin for the 2000 Olympic gold medal. 
The victory raised eyebrows because Carolyn hadn't lost in international competition in 13 years. But that's not why we bring up Mr. Gardner. We wanted you to know something about something else that happened to him two years after his Olympic victory. He had a snowmobile accident and suffered a terrible frostbite, resulting in the amputation of one of his toes. We aren't sure what most people do with amputated limbs and appendages, but Rulon decided to keep his toe. Oh. When he speaks, he talks about the toe. And what a great reminder it is that his snowmobile accident could have turned out a lot worse. Hanging on to a severed toe might seem a little odd to some people, but we can all agree that reminders are important. A wedding ring reminds us of promises made to our spouses. A flashing engine light reminds us that it's time to get the car serviced. A phone message reminds us of a doctor's appointment the following day. And the Lord's Supper reminds us of the atoning sacrifice of our Lord. And why do we need reminders? Because we're forgetful. I, meaning myself, once served a church that had a daycare center. Believe it or not, there were parents that actually forgot to pick up their children at the end of the day. Once a couple drove 45 miles to a college basketball game, and only after arriving at the game did they realize they had forgotten to pick up their son. (laughs) Often, the difference between an unhappy person and a happy person is memory. An unhappy person forgets how blessed he is, but the happy person never does. Wow. That's for February the 12th. And there's 365 of them, Mark. That's remarkable. When When did you know you were called to be a preacher? In high school, I had a a pastor that I looked up to, and he was a man that I greatly respected. And it came down to having to make a decision about where to go to college. And I had a very strong pull toward Bible college and training for ministry, but but I ignored it. I went to a secular college for one year because I thought I wanted to be a saxophone player and major in music. But it was during that first year of college that I had to admit to myself that I did feel called to the ministry, and so I went to one year of secular college, and then I went to Bible college from there. And once I got there and started studying for ministry, I knew I was in the right place. It just, it all clicked. I liked it. I felt at home. I felt at peace. And so I kind of resisted at first, I guess you would say. Um, But when I finally embraced what God was calling me to do is when I really found my peace and my happiness in life. Mark, how does it happen that a person is called uh, to the ministry? What happens? That's one of the great mysterious questions, uh, I think, of all time, is how do you know when God is calling you? But I think I think it's one of those things, it's hard to describe to somebody, but you know it when it happens. I think it has to do with the Holy Spirit in your heart, working on you, convicting you. It has to do with your aptitudes, and you feel like you, you know, you have the ability to do it, and and you feel uh, led to do it, and you're interested in it. There's a lot of things that kind of come together that constitute the call of God. It's, it is mysterious, and it is hard to explain, but in my case, I didn't have any doubt about it. And I think 
most people who are called by God to do something specific, they don't have any doubt about it. And so I would say to anybody who's listening who thinks they might be feeling the call of God, um, if you're not sure God is calling you, He's probably not calling you. <laughs> but if you feel it really strong and several factors are kind of blending together to, to pull you in a certain direction, then I would say that's probably God calling you. Mark, you mentioned the Holy Spirit, uh, which confuses a lot of Christians, I think. Can you tell us more about the role of the Holy Spirit in, in our lives? The Holy Spirit is one of those things that um, I, I think if you had to you know, pick God's greatest gift to us, I mean, perhaps salvation would be number one, but I think the Holy Spirit would be number two. The Holy Spirit, um, you know, the Bible says that we have a lot of control over what the Spirit is able to do in our lives that we can quench the Spirit, we can resist the Spirit, we can shut the Spirit out. But if we're open to God, the Spirit helps us in all kinds of ways. I think it it guides us, helps us make decisions. I think it encourages, encourages us when we're down. I think He, uh, he um, helps us in tough situations to know what to say, gives us words at key moments. The Holy Spirit is um, probably the Christian's best friend on a day-to-day basis, just um, dealing with life. And um, I think people sometimes try to make the Holy Spirit um, and the ministry of the Holy Spirit more complicated than it really is. Um, The Bible calls the Holy Spirit a helper, and that's just what I say to people when they want me to describe the Holy Spirit and his role in their life. He's, He's your helper. And he, he's beside you and, and can give you assistance in all kinds of situations. Do we uh, talk to the Holy Spirit? Do we pray to the Holy sure. Spirit? I mean, how, how does that sure. work? Well, I, th- you know, I think the very last line of the New Testament is even so, uh, Lord Jesus comes. So there we have a prayer to Jesus. We know we pray to God. I think the Holy Spirit being part of the Trinity, part of the Godhead, certainly um, Spirit, help me, you know, Lord, empower me. I mean, those are things the Holy Spirit does. Sure, I, I don't think there's a problem there, praying to the Holy Spirit. Mark, when a, when a person comes to Christ, uh, the Holy Spirit immediately comes in, into their heart? Uh, and, well, and how does that work? Well, there are different schools of thought on that. My personal uh, belief is that uh, we're baptized into Christ. That's the that's the um, phrase that um, uh, the Bible uses. We're baptized into Christ, and then Acts uh, chapter two says that when you're baptized into Christ, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So I kind of identify those two things together. There might be other people that would see it differently, but I've always been a, a believer that um, you know coming to faith does not necessarily. Um, save you, and it doesn't necessarily uh, bring the Spirit into your life because, hey, we all know people who believe in God, but they're not obedient to God. And the Bible says even the devil believes, even the devil has faith, and we know that's true. But when you submit to God, and that's when, uh, you know, and accept Christ and are serious about living for Him and being a follower of Christ, 
And part of that is being baptized, and I just believe that's what the Bible says, that we're baptized into Christ and we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Mark Atterbury has been our guest. Mark and I uh, have teamed up uh, to write a new book. It's out right now. Every day is game day. A 365-day sports devotional. You'll uh, you'll gobble this up. I think it'll be really, really valuable to you. Go up to Amazon. Wonderful way to order books. Every day is game day. Well, folks, we got to wrap up right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. Stay with us. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. Well, thanks for joining us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. So glad you had time for us. Our guest in that first segment was Matt Webster, uh, author of Heaven Come Down, Living as Citizens of Heaven Today. And then uh, my writing partner, Mark Atterbury, joined us uh, talking about our book, Every Day is Game Day, a 365-day sports devotional. Uh, Go up to Amazon, wonderful way to order books. And folks, we're still working on bringing Major League Baseball to Orlando, and you can be a big help, big help. Uh, go up to the website, orlandodreamers.com. We need to hear from you. Uh, just uh, tell us uh, what your thoughts are, uh, whether you like the idea, whether you think it's a good thing. Uh, w- would you like to be a season ticket holder, perhaps, if th- we can pull this off? Um, we need to hear from you, orlandodreamers.com. Folks, we'll see you next weekend here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Stay tuned to the new AM 990. And FM 101.5, the word in Orlando. Have a great week ahead. We'll see you next weekend. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this time, where faith comes by hearing. The new AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word.